Some of you uh, may have heard of a pastor who served during the 1800s. His name was Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon was the pastor of the largest uh, Baptist church in London for almost 40 years. And within just a few years of him starting in that pastorate, it became very apparent that God's hand was on his life and that God was using him. In fact, the church very quickly had to expand their facility uh, to where they could uh, seat 5,000 people and then 1,000 more would stand every service just to hear Spurgeon sharing God's word. By the time he was in his 20s, he was preaching to crowds as large as 10,000 people at a time. It is said that Charles Spurgeon preached in his lifetime to over 10 million people. And very quickly after he began preaching, I mean, again, as I said, people began seeing that God's hand was on his life and they were hungry to hear from the Lord. And, and so his sermons began to be transcribed and they would be, be copied and distributed. And even today, Spurgeon is one of the most quotable pastors that's ever shared God's word. In fact, he's known as the Prince of Preachers. At least three of his books have sold more than a million copies. Somebody said this in summary of his ministry. They said, It may be affirmed with some assurance that during his life and ministry, as many troubled souls looked to Spurgeon for comfort as to any man that ever lived. And since his departure from this world, countless others have been influenced by his words and blessed to the agencies that he set in motion. Now, what am I saying tonight? I'm saying that Charles Spurgeon was a very significant person, a person that God worked in his life and allowed himself to be used by God in great ways. But I want to ask you this. You may have heard of Charles Spurgeon before, but do you know how Spurgeon came to know the Lord? Actually, Spurgeon was on his way uh, to an appointment early in life, and a snowstorm started. And on the way to uh, that appointment, uh, he had to go in but somewhere, find some shelter. And so he was walking by this church, and this church service was just getting started. So he went inside the building uh, kind of for some cover. Uh, but there wasn't that many people at church that day. In fact, I guess the weather was so bad, the pastor didn't even show up, all right? And so there was a couple of people kind of gathered together. And so one of the guys uh, in Spurgeon, as he kind of recounts the story, he says, one of the guys, I mean, he wasn't that impressive. And he sort of, you know, shuffled to the platform and said, I guess I got to share today. And so he opened the Bible and he read a scripture, and that's the day that Spurgeon came to know Jesus as his Savior and was born again. By the way, I'll just share with you, that's a kind of the, one of the biggest reasons why New Hope takes our philosophy of snow schedule, okay? Let me just say this. You don't have to call and say, are we open for church? All you've got to do is call the emergency room. If they're open, we're open for church, all right? So if the hospital's open, New Hope's open. I've got a full-wheel drive, and I can get Jeff here. We can have some music. We can have a message. So you don't have to worry about us. The only time we've ever had to cancel church was one time they made it illegal to be out on the roads. They said you cannot be out on the roads, and so we decided not to break the law. And so we didn't. That was a Wednesday night, though. That wasn't even a weekend, all right? So you don't worry about New Hope because who knows what God may want to do tonight? Who knows if Charles Spurgeon may be walking by and just need a little cover? Tonight, though, we're going to look at the verse that was read and shared the night that Charles Spurgeon received Jesus Christ as his Savior. And I want to talk to you about God's vision for the peoples of the world in Psalm chapter 45, verse 22. Again, uh, this series that we're doing, we're saying, you know what? The Bible says, let the nations be glad. Let all the peoples of the world rejoice. There is good news. God has a heart for all the peoples of the world. And we've been kind of uncovering that and discovering some different parts of that. We talked about, you know what? God has said he has blessed you to be a blessing. 
He has done some wonderful things in your life. Amen, anybody? Amen. And he's done that so that you will turn around, just like the nation of Israel. He wants to work in you so that he can work through you, so that he can work in someone else. And then, like we said, the dominoes just keep going. Then we talked about, you know what? It's not very hard to do that because our God's worth knowing. Amen? He's the kind of God you want to get the word out. So it's really not a stretch. It's really not that hard because I'm so excited about what he's done in my life and what I'm learning about him. I'd like for some other people to know him. Last time we talked about he's got a plan. That he says, you know what? I want that message to go out. I want people to know me. And so I've got a plan. I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to go. I want you to share this good news as you're living your life. I want you to think about that and share with other people. And I want you to help people come to know me as their Savior. And I want you to help them to grow and to learn how to be my followers. Well, tonight we want to talk about what is God's intention all that? What is God trying to accomplish through all that? And we're going to read one verse tonight. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 22. The verse says this very simply. The Lord says, turn to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. Wow. I hate to admit it, teachers in the room today, but I I was a fan of Cliff Notes when I was younger. Now, I have repented of that and I've read some of those books that I did not read back then. But I got to tell you... This is cliff notes in the Bible, okay? This, this, is, this verse is a billboard, billboard for us where many times you read the scripture, you kind of say, you know, I'm kind of getting a sense of what it's saying, but here it is, spoon-fed, just give it right to you straight, very sweet, very simple. This really, you could almost say, is the message of the Bible. And we want to begin to unpack that a little bit tonight. First of all, I want to, I want to focus on that first part of that verse. The Lord says to Israel, he says to the nations, he says to us, turn to me and be saved. God's heart, God's vision, God's plan, what he's trying to do, what is it that you're up to in this world, God, is that God wants people to give their lives completely to him. You know, that really is the main message of the Bible. It's the message that God wants to get out, that he sends out to every individual that he created that's walking on this earth. The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, God is not desiring, God is not willing that any one of us should perish. You look at the, you look at the parables where it talks about Luke chapter 15. If, 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 if God had 100 sheep, and if there were 99 that were doing all fine, if there was one single sheep that was missing, and that's talking about us, if there was one that was missing, he could not rest until that one had come home safely. And so God says to us, knowing the condition that we're in, he says, turn to me. Actually, some of your translations say, look to me, turn to me, and be saved, All be, be rescued, be, be, be redeemed. He's saying, repent, turn away from your way, which has gotten you in a mess, and turn towards my way and trust in me. I want to share something with us tonight. And it could be something that could transform someone's life. I want you to think about this question. What is the biggest need in your life right now? Would you think about it for just a minute? If I ask you tonight, what is the biggest need in your life? For some of us, we'd say, well, I need a car, okay? Or, or I need a job. Or we'd say, you know what, Uh, I'm not sure how I'm going to pay my mortgage payment. You know, there's lots of different answers, right? If we were to say, what is the biggest need in your life? It might be your health, or it might be concern over a loved one. There's lots of different things that may be running through your mind right now. Your your spouse, your marriage relationship. But I want to give you some verses tonight where the Bible tells us really what is the greatest need in our life. I want you to write these down. 
We're not going to look at all of Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. You can write that down. Psalm 27, verse 4. These are some awesome verses. I mean, every single one of them. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. I'm going to actually read that one here in just a minute. And Luke chapter 10, uh, verses 38 through 42. Now, I'm just going to pick one of them tonight. But uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, the Bible says this. Jesus said, he says, but seek first. Now, this is in a passage where Jesus is saying, okay, I know that you have needs. I know that you have concerns. I know you need a place to live. Amen. Anybody for having a house? All right. I know you need food. I'm all for that. I'm going to do that as soon as the service is over. Okay. I don't miss many of those. Okay. I need, I need clothes to wear. We're all glad for that. Okay. All that, we need those things. That, those, are, those are necessities for our life. And Jesus says, listen, you don't have to worry about those things if you put your trust in me. He says, because I know in verse 32, all the world, all the peoples of the world are, are, are wondering and, and worrying about those things. But he says, if you are a follower of mine, seek first God's kingdom and seek first. Now, it doesn't mean I can't seek food, right? It doesn't mean I can't seek to have some things. But it says, seek first. It's saying as your primary focus, the first and biggest priority in my life is to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And then God promises you, this is his word. You can take him at his word. And all these things, all those other things that I'm usually concerned about, all those things will be added to you. The Bible says over and over, Deuteronomy 6 verse 5 says, listen, the greatest thing that you can do with your life, friend, the greatest need is to give yourself completely to God. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The Bible says that is the greatest instruction in the Bible. You say, you know, I, I only have one night to live, Pastor Robbie. Can you just give it to me straight? Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, that'd be, pretty, that'd be pretty close. The message is, give yourself completely to God. Psalm 27, verse 4 says, you know, there's a lot of things that I could seek after in my life, but one thing that I'm seeking for, that I can be close to God, that I can have a relationship with Him, that I can be in His presence. That's paraphrasing what it says there. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. That's the story. Anybody heard the story of Mary and Martha? Okay, Martha was a great lady. She was running around trying to serve guests in her home. But Mary, she decided to focus on Jesus and to sit at His feet and to worship Him. And Jesus says, you know what? Only one thing is really necessary, and Mary has chosen the best thing. The Bible says, friend, there is really God's message to us, God's vision. While he's trying to get out all this stuff we're talking about that God's wanting to say to the nations of the world is, listen, friends, I want every one of you to have a personal relationship with me. And that's not just talking about saying some prayer and getting into heaven. That's not God's focus. God's focus is, yes, it starts with crying out to God and inviting him to come into my life. But it's much more than that. Amen, anybody? I mean, it's not just praying some prayer and just going to heaven. God wants me to experience a daily pursuit of Him in my life. Friend, this is it. This is what you and I are longing for. If your soul is hungry tonight, if you would say, there is something missing, I'm searching, but I can't seem to find it. If you are a child of God, if you're a believer here tonight, I would say to you, you know what? You have access to that. You have access to that, but sometimes we don't access what's ours. Amen? Is that not true? Have you ever heard, we've all heard those stories about the misers. They're people that, that kind of like, you know, squirreled away money or, or put away money their whole life and they had millions of dollars in the bank, but they died in poverty or they died without, without even in, by starvation. Many Christians are living like that, aren't we? God says, I have all of this available for you. It's right there for you, but many of us are not accessing 
what we have available to us. Or maybe you're not yet a believer and you don't yet have access to that life. That's the message that God is saying for each one of our lives. For, a child, for somebody who's not a believer, what God would say is it starts by, first of all, receiving that gift. Have you ever heard the good news before? Jesus Christ died on the cross. He died for your sins and for mine, and he's willing to give you his payment. He died, he paid the price for what you should have paid for, and he's willing to give you his payment. He takes your sins, you take his righteousness. He makes you a child of God if you'll accept that gift tonight. And that begins the process of me now. Now it's just beginning. That's why I call it born again, amen? I'm just getting started with understanding this amazing relationship for a believer. It's incredible for me, those verses I just gave you, to realize that over and over again, verse after verse tells us, this is the thing that God wanted to say to you. This is the thing that you were saved for, that God gives you the opportunity to experience a vibrant, intimate relationship with your Creator if you'll just give your life completely to Him. So the question is, am I doing that? Am I tonight? That's God's vision for each one of us as individuals. He says, come to me and be saved. Come to me and be rescued. You don't have to fight so hard. You don't have to struggle so hard if you'll just come to me. We're talking big picture in this series of messages. We're talking about that God has a plan for all the peoples of the world, but we're really bringing it down here to kind of that smaller level. If you just want to bring it down to the most basic level, God started out this thing with what? Adam and Eve walking with him in the garden in the cool of the day. Isn't that an awesome image? We have made a relationship with God so complicated, so many hoops to jump through. You know what? The Bible says, your God, the one who created you, He's got to get things right because we've messed it up. And so that's why Jesus came to be our Savior. But once you receive that gift, once that changed, now you begin to enter into that relationship that God created every single one of us to experience. But secondly, he says in that verse, he says, Come to me and be saved, all ye ends of the earth. This is something that maybe some of you who haven't been as involved in church may not realize. But did you know that God's vision, what God's trying to do in this world is he wants a representative from every group of people to be in heaven with him one day. Did you know that? So what do you mean by that, Pastor? What do you mean by a group of people? What do you mean by some, uh, some people in church call it a, a people group? Okay, What does that mean? Well, you may have heard this before, but sometimes you'll hear people say that the Bible says that there's going to be someone from every country, someone from every nation in heaven. You almost got the picture of the Olympics, right? Okay, so they're marching in, and everybody's got their flag, and so the Olympics, one day, we're going to be in heaven, and everybody's, oh, here's the, here's the contingent from, you know, you know, from the United States, or, you know, here's the contingent for Canada, all right? And, and I think that's probably true. Every nation is going to be represented. But many Bible teachers believe that it's actually even more specific than that. The Bible says that God has a heart for every grouping of people in this world, Inside those geopolitical boundaries that we call nations, aren't there even more people groups? Okay, Even within the state of New York, aren't there people, aren't there pockets of people that have different cultures or that they, they dress, especially look at New York City, that, that, that have a different dress or different food or different customs or different backgrounds or different languages or different music? And many people believe that the way that the Bible describes it, every single one of those pockets of people 
are going to be represented in heaven one day. That God, basically, to put it in a nutshell, is going to save someone from every corner of creation. And we ought to say, praise his name. Amen? Let's read an awesome verse that really kind of directly talks about that. Revelation uh, chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. In Revelation uh, 7, verse 9, it says, And after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and all peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. It's talking about Jesus. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God. The image there is one day in heaven... There is going to be a representative from every tribe, from every tongue, from every nation, from every people group in the world. Isn't that awesome? What does that say to me? It tells me, first of all, about the faithfulness of our God. Okay, God has promised to save people, and he's going to reach at least one person from every group represented here on planet Earth. It tells me a little bit about the creativity of our God. Some of you guys that, that like your hamburger cooked just the, the right way or, or you don't like to travel because you, like, you, know, you like your bed or you like uh, your people or you like your house or you like your country. You know what? Some of us need to loosen up a little bit because heaven's going to be a lot different than me. Amen? There's going to be people from every tribe, from every tongue, from every nation. And so we should have a little bit of an appreciation for art and for creativity and for things to be done differently and in ways that we've never experienced before, but that God may work in other people to express his same truth, worshiping him, but in a way different than us. Amen? It tells me about the conquest of our God. God's going to show by this that he was victorious as king over all the earth. It speaks to me about the truth of our God. You know, it was an awesome experience for me. Uh, I went to Kenya a few years ago, and that was a, a great experience. I was more observing and watching some other people do some work and, and kind of just learning a little bit more about international missions. But when I went to Thailand, I don't know what it was, but God just gripped my heart. I remember before we went to Thailand, I remember just thinking, Lord, you know what? I'm an American, and I'm going to Thailand, and a lot of people in the world, they just feel like you're an American, so your God is the Christian God, and I'm in Thailand, and my God is just the, the uh, Buddhist God. And so how are we going to talk? I mean, what are we going to say? You know, we got spirit. Yes, we do. We got spirit. How about you? And they go say, no, we got more. You know, we're just going to argue with them about, no, we're, our way is right or your way is right. I was just thinking, Lord, how's that going to happen? And God just began to speak to my heart. You need to pray. You need to pray that I open up their hearts. And we've been three times to Thailand. I was able to go on two of those trips. It's amazing to me. A group of people, a culture different than I grew up in, different language than I use, different customs that, 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 that I'm accustomed to. But you know what? They were hungry for truth. And when we began to share, did you know what? Did you know that God cares about you? There's a creator God. He cares about you. And you know what? You don't have to try real hard to get to him. That's what people all over the world are trying to do, aren't they? They're trying real hard to appease him or to make him happy. And even a lot of people in the United States, we've come up with religions that are doing our best to try to make God happy. And in Thailand, they just had a different expression of that. But in Buddhism, they were just doing their best to try to make God happy. When they found out, you know what, about the grace of God, 
that God would send his son to pay for everything you're trying to pay for and that he died for that, but that he rose again and you can trust in him and he'll give you life. They're like, really? Really? It's awesome to see the truth of God is not American. Amen? The truth of God is all over the world. And it's really the image that God has wanted us to get from the beginning. He was going to work through the nation of Israel. Yes, he had a special purpose, a special relationship with them. But his message, it was not a national message. It was not just for one nation. He was to work through that nation as his special people so that the rest of the world would look at his relationship with him and say, wow, wow, (laughs) that's the one that we want to follow. And that's really what this series is all about. There's a God who wants to be worshipped for our good and for his glory. And he wants to work in your life, but he also wants all the peoples of the world to know and to serve him. And he wants to get that message out through us. At the beginning of uh, this series, we read uh, Psalm chapter 67, verses 3 through 5. I love these verses. They've rung in my ears ever since I heard them in seminary. Let the peoples... Praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Are you getting the image? Are you starting to get the heart of your God? He's beyond Queensbury, amen? He's beyond the United States. He is looking at every corner of the world. Every single person who has been born today, Christ gave his life for and wants to have life. He says, let the peoples, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. They've been in bondage. Now the Savior has come, but God's God, you would judge the peoples with uprightness, and you would guide the nations on the earth. You would guide them in truth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Tonight I want to share with you a couple of uh, examples of that, uh, of some peoples around the world. They may not speak like us. They may not have the same customs as us, but they're praising God because he's come to their culture. Let's listen. Oh. Uh, <laughs> This is the true story and testimony of a young Thai woman named Ball. Before I became a Christian, I had many problems. I had problems with my family and school and finances. 
ปัญหาเหล่านี้ I could not find way out and I want to commit suicide I thought that if I could end of my life on earth it would be better for me But to God's glory, her story does not end there. Ball decided to attend a Word of Life English camp, a decision that would change the course of her life. It's one and one of my English camp that I found God. Even before I went to camp, I was interested in God. I asked the Christians at the camp questions, and they gave me good answers. That was hope and meaning to my life. And I did not want to commit suicide anymore. I've shared with you before that seeing Ball come to know the Lord is one of the biggest joys of my life in ministry because uh, I got to see her come to that camp, and um, you know God's really just spoken to me, and I hope just seeing those stories kind of helps us to visualize because here we sit in Queensbury, New York, and, and and kind of in our own world, and and maybe it seems theoretical, but there are real people, not like me, in many ways. But as you heard their story, in many ways they are like me, and they need God too, just like I do. Amen. Amen. Let's look at the last thing in this verse tonight. The Lord says uh, in Isaiah forty-five twenty-two, He says, "Turn to me and be saved." Do you hear the heart of our God beginning to to develop? It says in our hearts, in our understanding. It says, "Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is no other." What's God's vision? What's God's plan? Well, 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 what he's what he's working towards is that each one of us would personally experience what it's like to give our lives completely to him. He wants each one of us to know that, and he wants that message to go out to every people group, every pocket of people across the world. But also, what he's saying is that his purpose is that all the focus, all the glory, we might say, is more of a biblical word, that all the glory in this world would go to him. He says, "For I am God." And there is no other. All throughout the Bible, that's the emphasis that you get. Write down these verses, Isaiah 42, verse 8. In fact, Isaiah is one of the best passages for this emphasis. Isaiah 42, verse 8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name. (laughs) I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images or idols. Isaiah 43, verse 3, the Lord says, For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. A few verses later in verse 10, Isaiah 43, 10 says, Before me, there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. I, do you hear God calling out to us? Do you understand that I am the Lord? I am God. I, even I, he says, am the Lord. And there is no Savior. There is no other rescue for your life. There is no other person to help you or to deliver you besides me. And then in Isaiah 44, verse 5, it says that one, th- one day when things are right, it actually says it will be written on people's head, but I just thought about it in our context. It, we'll, ha- we'll all have T-shirts on that says, I belong to the Lord. Okay? That's what you want to say today. I'm with Him, amen? I'm with Him. He's the Lord. Again, I- Isaiah 
reiterates that many times, that God deserves to be recognized. He deserves to be obeyed. He's the one that we should serve. There is no other place that we should go in our life. We talked about a few weeks ago, Psalm 115, verse 1, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. Again, the point of those pas- that passage is that God needs to be number one in the world. That there's no other center of attention, there's no other star of the show, that he is the focus of the universe. Now, I don't know about you, but the first time I really began to see that emphasis in the, in the Bible, it actually, I hope it's not wrong to say this, but I'm just being honest, it actually bothered me a little bit. I was like, I don't quite understand that, Lord. I know that you're God, and I know that you deserve the focus or the attention, but, but at least initially, it sounded to me a little bit like something he tells us not to do, right? To kind of focus attention on it. It sort of sounded like a self-focus, like a desire to draw. And I was like, Lord, you know, you tell us not to do that. I didn't quite understand that. And I felt a little better when I found out that somebody a lot smarter than me struggled with this too. C.S. Lewis, he talked about this. Listen to what he said. He said, I found a stumbling block. In, In other words, he struggled with this. In the demand so clamorously made by all religious people that we should praise God. Still more, he struggled in the suggestion that God himself demanded that. We all despise a man who demands continued assurance of his own virtue, intelligence, or delightfulness. You understand what he's saying? If somebody continues to say, hey, you you guys pay attention to me, okay, hey, you guys, uh, I'm good, right? Right? He says we despise still more the crowd of people around that person. The crowd of people around every dictator, every millionaire, every celebrity who gratify that demand. He says, so thus a picture at once ludicrous and horrible, both of God and his worshipers, threatened to appear in my mind. He said it was hideously like saying what I most want is to be told that I'm good and great. C.S. Lewis said, I found that extremely distressing when I was thinking about God. But here's what he said he realized. He said, I did not at first realize that it is in the process, listen, friend, It is in the process of being worshipped that God communicates his presence to men. What was he saying? God says, I must be the center of the universe. I alone must be on the throne in your life. And the reason for that, by the way, we should say in parentheses, he does deserve it. Amen? (laughs) Okay? The reason for that, yes, he does deserve it. But the re- one of the reasons for that is because God wants you to know Him. And when He is worshipped, when He is on the throne in your life, when He is the focus of our lives, He becomes known by you and by others. And as you've also heard me say before, I began to realize as I began to study God's Word and see that emphasis that God wasn't being necessarily like what we would say is selfish or self-focused. What God, it's even loving of Him to say the attention needs to be on me because when God is focused on, everything else works right. Amen? When I am the center of the universe, at least in my own mind, things mess up pretty big, Amen? When anything else in your life, whether it's money or a relationship, whatever you want to put in the throne of your life, I think we would all say, I've done this, or I tried this, and we could all give our testimony, couldn't we, and say, that didn't work. That relationship wasn't what I thought it was going to be. That money didn't come through. That career choice that I thought was going to be great was going to fix everything for me. Whatever you want to put on the throne in your life, it all gets sideways and in the ditch. When God is worshipped, everything else 
goes rightly. God desires it and he deserves it to be known and to be followed and to be served throughout all the earth. Let me read to you Romans 11, verse 36. Kind of sums it up. It says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. I mean, that's, that's pretty much it, isn't it? Came from him, went through him, and went back. Amen? I mean, he just kind of completes the circle. Everything's from God. It works through him. And all goes back to him. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Tonight, I want to close with one final verse. Write down Psalm 46, verse 10. In that verse, here's what God says. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And I think that kind of sums up maybe what our reaction should be to what God's saying to us tonight. Let the nations be glad. It's good news, amen? It's good news that Christ and his message came to my country. Amen, where I live, where I grew up. It's good news that he wants that message to go to other peoples in the world. It's good news that, that he wants me to personally experience that. It's good news that, that he really wants to give that opportunity to every people group in the world, every people group, every pocket of people. No one is shut out. God is giving that opportunity. It's good news that he wants to be on the throne because when he is, everything else is going to work right. God desires to be worshipped in all the earth. I want to ask you three things to think about tonight as we kind of finish up. If God desires to be known in all the earth, what does that mean for my life? What implications does that have for my life? If God desires to be known in all the earth, and I'm not going to give the answer, because I'm going to let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart about that. If God says, I want to be known throughout all the earth, what does that mean for you? If God desires to be in full control of your life, what does that mean for you? I think for some of us, it means we need to receive his gift and be saved. Turn to me and be saved. All the ends of the earth, and that includes Queensbury, New York, everybody who lives here. Amen. For some of us who are Christians, I think God's calling us to a closer walk with him. Listen, it's very clear in these passages. God wants us to be saved from our sins. He wants us to be rescued, but that's not it. He wants us to experience what it's like when he's on the throne in our life. And for many of us Christians here tonight, he is not on the throne, is he? I mean, just practically speaking, he's not in full control of your life. What is God trying to say to you about that? Is there some assignment he has for you that you're rejecting? Is there some sin in your life that he's wanting to deal with? And you're saying, no, I'm choosing this other thing, God, rather than you. I don't think any of us would want to say that, but maybe we have, practically. And tonight, what are the implications of the fact that this God wants all the peoples of the world, every people group, the people that we just saw were from Thailand and New Guinea. Those are two nations of the world. And I said the other day, there may be as many as 200 nations in the world, and there may be as many as thousands, I think it's six to 10,000, I can't remember the number of different pockets of people, people groups in the world. What does that mean? What does that mean for our church? What does that mean for your life? Are you praying for missionaries? Are you supporting missionaries? Are you going on mission trips? What does that mean? I, I don't know. 
But as Christians, we need to let God speak to us about that, don't we? Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight that you have a vision for the world. That you want each one of us to know you. That you want people from all over the globe to know you. And that you want to be on the throne. So that everything works right. And so that people can know you. Father, over 100 years ago, really closer to 200 years ago, a man just heard this verse quoted and he turned history upside down. I wonder tonight if we took it seriously what you could do through us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.